Welcome to Declare, the official podcast of the Libertarian Party of Ohio. Each episode, LPO Communications Director Aaron Keith Harris talks to the most interesting people promoting liberty in Ohio and around the world. You can send questions and comments to news at lpo.org. Welcome to Declare, the official podcast of the Libertarian Party of Ohio. I'm Aaron. My guest today is Christina Tobin from Free and Equal. She's uh, done a lot of things to uh, try and uh, break up the two-party duopoly here in American politics. She was uh, a big player in the uh, fight against the exclusionary presidential uh, debates in 2012. Christina Tobin with Free and Equal. One of the things um, that is very important to uh, us in the uh, Libertarian Party is the, the concept of presidential debates. We had uh, in 2012, a couple of really great candidates, you know, uh, going back to early 2012, I don't think any of us had any idea that we'd end up with a former two-term popular governor and a well-qualified judge who can hold their own with, um, you know, they, they look the part of regular politicians, but they're not. But um, when it came time to debate, which is one big thing in the presidential race, um, they weren't allowed to. So why t talk about what free and equal has done, did with that. And then why, uh, it's so important, um, to get in the debates. Yeah. It's, you know, it's, it's, we've been so busy since the debates. I have to say it's been a long day for me. I'm pretty tired in this interview, but I just keep going, you know, my 15th, 16th hour, and, you know, since the debates, uh, well, we had so much success last, October, um, the Larry King debate, truly, you know, we're here to open the debates and bring more voices and choices into the electoral system. And, of course, Gary Johnson, Libertarian Party candidate, Joel Stein, Green Party, Virgil Good with the Constitution Party, Rocky Anderson, they all came together. And next thing you know, we had over 20 million viewers. This debate was moderated by Larry King. And, uh, wow, when I walked off stage, somebody came up and said, you're top 10 trending on Twitter, this debate, which was so cool. I, I mean, really great. So, you know, the power of social media and technology is just, oh, it's so powerful. And I mean, it seems like the way you found out about us is probably via Facebook, online, social media. Right, Aaron? Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah. And there's lots of good stuff on there. But the kind of the question is, is that there are a lot of people who are engaged with social media. But for a lot of people, I, I don't know how important it is. And, and as a communications director for our party, you know, I'm always um, looking at that and trying to analyze our impact. Why, why does the mainstream media not want to cover uh, alternative challenger parties? And then how, how valuable is the social media stuff given that the mainstream stuff um, doesn't come? It seems that you can only get so far with social media. Yeah, I really disagree. Um, that was really how we broke through with the presidential debate. I mean, Again, top 10 trending on Twitter, it's just really a big deal. And um, since then, I mean, we have had so much interaction uh, via social media, um, via, you know, from media to organizations to, to volunteers and so on, just bringing people and creating awareness of what we're doing. So really, you know, social media, I feel, is really the future. Mainstream media isn't going to be able to overcome that. I mean, we're able to create our own media and, the kids, I mean, I'm 31 years of age, but seeing these kids come out of college and high school, they're so technologically advanced. So, um, you know, the power of social media and technology, again, there's no limits. And 
you know, to answer your question on the mainstream media, and I guess we're going into the direction of what now, of them not covering things, or what was that, Aaron? Yeah, I mean, uh, I used to be a newspaper reporter for some small suburban papers, and it, you know, as a reporter, I always kind of liked the stuff that was a little bit out of the mainstream and something that would be a different take. You know, it wouldn't be interesting to me to write the same horse race Obama-Romney story every day, but that's what the media seemed to do. Um, why Why is it so hard for um, that to uh, – why don't – why doesn't the media cover people like Gary Johnson and Jill Stein? Well, it's really simple. I learned the Commission on Presidential Debates just committing a fraud on the people, kind of like the Federal Reserve. They definitely have that in common. Two really powerful tools that a few powerful men use to help provoke war and divide the country. So, you know, what I learned during that debate is over $60 million, 50, 60 million pumped into the commission, which, might I add, is run by the former chair of the Democratic Republican Party. And right, right. It's $50, $60 million in return. They run ads and sponsors. They run ads on ABC, NBC, CBS, and in return, they sponsor the commission on presidential debate. I mean, just a web of, you know, just, you know, lots of conflict of interest there. So, I mean, it's um, really another tool um, that a few powerful people use. Uh, again, the commission on presidential debate, I feel, is next to Ken to the Federal Reserve, which is even more powerful, that's scary to think, than the commission. So um, rather than focus on the problems, which I know a lot of your listeners already know, um, let's focus on a solution. And the solution is we've got to replace those Democrats and Republicans alike, starting with the 2014 races. And again, with the power of social media and technology, sky's the limit. Right. I mean, it's, it's just it's so powerful. Let, let's get into that in one second. But back up and tell me a little bit about you and why um, a, kind of where your political beliefs come from, why you want to change the system, and why you chose this specific avenue. There's a lot of people that say, hey, I'm going to try and change the Republican Party from the inside, or I'm going to try to do this, or I'm going to go work at a think tank. Why? So what are your beliefs, and why did you choose uh, free and equal and this type of uh, activism? Yeah, it's uh, a lot of a lot of your listeners being libertarians, um, you know, may know my dad Jim Tobin out of Chicago. He's been running one of the largest tax fighting organizations in the world for thirty five years. So, you know, dad ran for governor back in ninety eight and I was seventeen at the time and I saw him wrongfully knocked off the ballot. You know, third party candidates I learned third party candidates have to get five times more signatures than the D's and R's, which is twenty five thousand in Illinois. And I thought, well, why do the desires only have to get 5000 And my dad gathered over 60000 more than double the requirement. But because he was a truly a threat to the system, they knocked him off. I mean, there's a reason why President Obama had no competition when he you know, ran for Senate. All the races in Illinois, every single competitor was knocked off the ballot. So right. I learned early on, 17, and you know that the ballot access barriers are one of the two lifelines as to why the two-party system uh, you know, exists today as well as the Federal Election Campaign Act of 1974. So this really derives into why I chose free and equal elections. A couple years later, I got down on the ballot. Two years later, the Green Party, Illinois. Then Ralph Nader called me in 08, said, hey, you don't want to come up board? I was his national ballot access coordinator. Today, I've helped coordinate and gather over a million signatures to get candidates on the ballot. But I've learned. I mean, it sucks up the resources. Candidates can't get elected. They get knocked off the ballot when they're a real threat. So here's free and equal elections. Uh, um, we're here not only to uh, 
We're, you know, unite people left and right alike, but we're here to break through the stranglehold of the two-party system. And I've learned every problem from ballot access to now the Federal Reserve, why we have the Patriot Act, Drone, SOPA, CISPA. And the, I mean, ballot access, closed debates. Oh, it's just, it all derives from having the wrong people in office, the two parties alike who are tied to the central banks, just tied to the Federal Reserve, which, again, is tied to a few few powerful individuals. Right. What, Rothschild, uh, you know. Say, Rockefeller, oh, Morgan, Chase. Right. It, it's kind of funny. I, I wasn't uh, too into the whole, uh, I guess I was kind of on the Milton Friedman side of things as a much younger man. I'm, I'm 37 now. And once you kind of get into the stuff, like, you think that, like, the Federal Reserve, people who talk about that, it's like conspiracy theories or whatever. But it's, like, so out in the open. It's just amazing. And it, it goes back into one thing that I, uh, in my uh, work with the LPO and as a uh, as a writer, um, have found a lot is that people, I tend to think people look at our political system as a way to, they think, oh, well, I'll just vote. I'll vote, you know, one of the two ways they tell me, and then my responsibility for my country is therefore fulfilled. And I, I think that's one thing that I think a lot of libertarians, a lot of people on the uh, what I kind of call the honest left, um, are trying to fight against is like, hey, ju- you know, just voting for one of two not very good choices is not – it's just not acceptable if you really want to make a positive difference. Um, what is uh, what are some specific things that uh, Free and Equal is doing? You talked about the elections coming up here in eighteen months or so. Um, what specifically are you doing? Well, yeah, I just wanted to first say about the, um, the Federal Reserve being, uh, you know, not really existence. Well, Woodrow Wilson, I mean, he signed the. 1913 Federal Act, and I mean, even he came out and said that it was something he kind of wished one of the worst things he ever did. I mean, I'm looking up the quotes right now, but I can't find it. But, you know, in any case, um, it, it does exist. I mean, you watch um, The Secret of Oz on YouTube. I mean, you, you look at the history, and yeah, the Federal Reserve was created by a few powerful people, and, um, you know, the value of the currencies dropped by, I believe, over 97, 98%. There's a lot of scholars on that topic, but it does exist, just like the Commission on Presidential Debates exists. And, you know, you follow where the money is, and that's that. Um, so, but as far as, uh, you know, free and equal, um, you know, we are just truly, we're having a huge event this upcoming June, uh, the United We Stand Festival on June 22nd. We're going to be uniting leaders. Jesse Ventura is going to be coming in to speak. I know Ralph Nader uh, via social media. Ben Swan, everybody knows him, Fox 19. I mean, the list goes on and on. Amber Lyon, former CNN reporter, and so on. So it's going to be really awesome. What, um, in addition to, uh, I guess the ballot access thing is something we're actually fortunate here in Ohio. We've won three federal court cases in the last six or seven years uh, that kind of guarantees us a, a spot on the ballot as what they're calling a minor party. And uh, um, it has given us a little bit of freedom to then go beyond the next step. We don't have to spend as much time, you know, um, raising money to get on the ballot and then we're tapped out, you know. Is there any meaningful reforms uh, afoot anywhere that have a, a chance of going as far as that ballot access reform? Because what incentive do the two main parties have to, to liberalize that? Uh, you know, that's such a great question. And, 
you know, in running a petitioning company, I mean, we've managed to, I mean, we help all parties. We got 93,000 signatures for the Green Party of Texas uh, in 13 days. So, I mean, I definitely have a lot of experience working with great leaders in the petitioning industry. And But, you know, I've learned um, from whether they're state parties to smaller candidates, like you said, it sucks up the money. I mean, when Ralph Nader ran in 2008, or in 2004, really, was when he was a huge threat to the system. The Democratic Party uh, sued him in 32 states and successfully knocked him off the ballot. So, you know, I, I tried to do the meaningful reform approach, Aaron, a couple of years ago and introduced a, a ballot access bill for bettering the ballot access laws in Illinois. I got nowhere because I learned the two-party system. They benefit from this flawed system of creating these ballot access barriers. So meaningful reforms are difficult to achieve when you have people in office that are not representing us, but the almighty dollar, to be frank. So I decided to take it up a notch, get involved in the debates, and that was successful. And then keynote and in the Federal Reserve rally last November and October. And, you know, tying it all together, it's very apparent to me the only way we're going to be able to fix the system from within is by flooding the 2014 races. So uh, the United We Stand Festival, again, we're holding June 22nd at the Verizon Arena, huge venue out in Little Rock, Arkansas. And we're uniting leaders on the ground from the head of Occupy to head of Republican parties, Libertarians, so on. This movement, this event is a kickoff for a 10-stop university bus tour we're going to have 2014 spring. Well, the whole reason around this whole movement is to inspire the kids to run for office, to go out there and run and provide them the tools, and we will, through our national database, to give them a free and equal chance of winning. This is our last chance, our only hope. Okay, so the, the, the idea is to just to get people um, who see these issues as a uh, as a key thing that we need to go after, whether or not whatever the party label or whether they're independent or, or whatever. Is that kind of the... The strategy then, just to get as many reform-minded people running? You got it. Across the spectrum, you know, Ron Paul and Ralph Nader did an awesome interview on Judge Napolitano um, last year, uniting against the establishment. Now, while they have some of their differences, they acknowledge and we've learned that the two-party system has been intentionally dividing us for centuries. So, um, you know, until we unite as a, as a nation, uh, this problem will never be fixed. And you know, I've learned with all due respect being on the inside of the, both the national green libertarian parties that as a party becomes bigger, um, with all due respect, it does inevitably become infiltrated because parties attract people who want power. And then suddenly, you know, you have a national, for example, libertarian party that becomes disconnected with the state parties. And with me personally knowing a lot of the state leaders, it's pretty consistent that they feel for the most part, if not entirely, disconnected from the national party. So, Parties don't work. Parties can't fix, fix, be fixed from within. Dr. Ron Paul, go to Florida, prime example of parties that be able to be fixed from within. Rand Paul knows this, might I add. <laughs> so it's a de that's definitely a dead end the direction Rand Paul's going in. So what we need to do with social media technology is launch a national database, and we will at Free and Equal, not only in building others, honest media like yourself, Aaron, um, but also um, listing every single candidate running for office. And uh, we will highlight them as the individual that they are and provide them the resources directly and indirectly to have a free and equal chance of winning. I got a, a two or three sort of like uh, uh, other topics that, that seem to come up um, a lot when you talk about, uh, when you talk to people about, you know, voting a different way that, than uh, normal. Um, one thing, and, and you mentioned this one before, campaign finance, where, 
where are we now with campaign finance and what would you like to see happen uh, in that field? Well, thank you so much for answering that question, Aaron, because I've been briefing a lot with who I find a, a great expert by the name of Dugan King out in Arkansas. And he recently has uh, introduced alternative currency called the Arbuck. And I've learned a lot about the Federal Reserve. And I look at this campaign finance reform, Aaron, and I don't know about you, but I really don't trust the kind of reforms. They may put something out there that's great. Okay, but you know what? If you work within a system, you're, the, the operatives are going to find an illegal way, you know, to funnel money through their campaigns, and then honest people like us are going to be reformed to, you know. So, you know, I, I definitely think there's too much money in politics, but the problem, this is really the Federal Reserve. While the Federal Reserve exists, with campaign reform or not, which I support having real reform, but I don't trust our government implementing it, don't get me wrong, but until the Federal Reserve is put out of business, I mean, these powerful individuals are going to continue to, you know, fund behind the scenes, under the tables. I mean, just limitless amount of money because they can print as much as they want the Federal Reserve. So then the system, you know, continues to be tainted. So, you know, the, the kind of proposed campaign finance reform, it's just it's not enough for me. I, I want to drive a stake through the hardest system and we the people. There's far more honest ones of us, honest people that is, and there, there are not. And we're going to take our government back. We're going to rise as the individuals that we are, bring integrity within our government. Government will be cut back. And with the integrity within our government, we'll shift back to the origins of the Constitution. It's that simple. Um, another, uh, and I agree with the point about no matter what uh, campaign finance restrictions you have in place, the people that are in power, the media, et cetera, et cetera, will find ways either legally or illegally to kind of perpetuate the thing. I mean, I, I yeah. tend, I tend to be of the opinion that, um, uh, you know, if the First Amendment protects anything, it protects political speech. I think it protects a lot more, obviously, and that, you know, to speak, you have to have money. So I, I tend to be like, hey, just unlimited because, and everybody get after it. I, I there's some problems with that, um, obviously, but but your point, I think, is yeah, the. I agree. Yeah, I mean, the the real point the real point is that um, that that the bad guys are not going to play by the rules, so it doesn't necessarily matter what the rules are. So, another thing I, I hear um, somebody's if been I may, if yeah. I may elaborate on the rules. I sure. mean, it's uh, you know through prominent individuals telling me when Obama ran last his first election, or, or I'm sorry for president um, initially he. Uh, you know, there was a time period where some say that his internet, his website, you know, security was let, was let down and there were limitless amounts of money, corporations funneled through overseas. I mean, it's kind of some factual stuff. I'm just saying that people that are in, inside, they're going to find tricks, ways around and all. And so while I'm totally, I mean, my, my, the way to remedy it is to just have a national database that shows how much each candidate's getting, the super PACs giving to them. Maybe we don't know how much or from where, but we can check the board of directors right. and learn a lot about the super PAC that way. So there just needs to be a big, bright light on all of the candidates and that 100% transparency, and all the cockroaches will scatter. That's the only way to do this. And, again, our forefathers are missing one thing when they created the Constitution, social media and technology. That's the key that they needed, and we have it. And we're very fortunate. Yeah, I think, I think you're right. I think the fact that uh, if you just look at um – Something like the Abu Ghraib thing, you know, the fact that we have, you know, cameras that can take pictures and stuff like that, it makes 
bit easier. It makes it much harder for people doing the dirt to to uh, to hide it because there are just many more ways to grab that data, uh, whether it's a photograph or a piece of information, and then get it out there. Um, another thing, speaking of social media, uh, I kind of run our um, our uh, Twitter feed a little bit. I've got a couple volunteers that actually do most of the work, but occasionally I uh, dip in there and look at it. And our um, our Twitter is LP Ohio, L P O H I O. And on there, uh, somebody's been kind of posting um, stuff about the top two election thing. And, you know, we kind of, anybody can kind of post whatever. And um, I, I haven't looked into that much, but I've heard things both ways on that. I think California went to that recently. Can you kind of explain that and give me your take on it? Yeah, sure. I mean, Richard Winger, you may know of him. Uh, he's a leading ballot access expert, 35 years of ballot access news. He, yep, yep. He's yeah, he's testifying over, I think, 350 lawsuits nationwide to better ballot access laws. He's decreased signatures by over a third. But in any case, I've worked with Richard for so many years on top two. We worked together in trying to defeat top two in California because we both agree that it is. It is the most, the biggest threat to our electoral system ever. And so um, what it is, it means only the top two vote-getters in the primary are in the ballot for the general election. And, uh, you know, it was a, well, it's a truly open primary. I have no problem with, you know, if there's five uh, candidates running different parties, the top one from each one advanced the general. Okay, but see, in fact, the uh, top two, they mislead proponents saying it's an open primary. In fact, it's a closed primary because it could be only two Democrats or even two Republicans that are in the ballot for the general election. Right. And so... Every political scientist disagreed with the um, idea that top two increases voter participation and opens the elections. It's a big, fat lie. I mean, the biggest thing the proponents have in their favor is just confusing the voters. Every single political scientist has said it. In fact, it does, you know, it, it does not stimulate, I'm sorry, it does not um, increase voter participation, participation. In fact, it does the opposite. So, I mean, facts are facts. And, you know, though we were unable to defeat top two in California, oh, so close. It's like my 10,000 little dollars up against millions. Might I add the money behind it? The richest man, Charles Munger, who's tied to Warren Buffett, is behind top two in support of it. Right. So that right there says it's probably not a good thing. But last October, Free and Equal, we, we united with the chair of the League of Women Voters, uh, Barbara Klein, I believe it is, out in Arizona. And, we brought together a panel of all places, the Goldwater Institute of leaders from the executive director of the Democratic Party to Republican to Libertarians, Green, myself. And uh, we, we spread the news. I traveled throughout the state, seven states, and just told the truth and nipped it in the bud. So it didn't go anywhere, and we defeated it by a two to three measure with the help of so many great people and organizations. So, but it, 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 it passed, though, right? No, it did not in Arizona. Oh, in Arizona. Okay. Yeah. It I passed in California, but not Arizona. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, it passed in California in 2010, which was a bummer, but um, the big one was this past election in Arizona, Prop 121. Had that passed, it, it would the floodgate was right there. There have been a dozen other states ready to pass it, but we were able to defeat it right. by a two-to-one measure, which is, I, I think I misspoke before, so two to three. I meant two-to-one measure we defeated it by, and that was just awesome. It shows the power of just grassroots, free-earned media going out there and working hard and spreading the truth. Right. It always prevails. The truth always prevails. Eventually. Sometimes we got to stick around for a while, but eventually we'll get it out. Uh, what, and one thing about the top two, that's basically, 
That's what Louisiana's had for years, right? Hey, um, last I checked, uh, Louisiana, Louisiana style politics was definitely not at the top of the list. Right. You beat, you beat me to it, right? I mean, the yeah. Huey and Earl Long and all those guys and Edwin Edwards and, Ugh. yeah, I mean, Louisiana's been, uh, corrupt in their own, uh, uh, unique way for, for quite a while. And it's, you're right. It is amazing that, um, and the person posting on our, on, you know, cross posting or whatever on our Twitter thing, is somehow advocating this from a libertarian perspective, which makes me kind of suspicious now that I have a better understanding about it. So um, I'll take a closer look at what's going on there. But uh, it, 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 yeah, it, it seems to me just a ridiculous idea. You know what? I will, uh, let me, when we're done here, let me make sure I've got your contact info and I'll forward it to you. Um, kind of, we've, yeah, uh, we, we get a lot of clutter from, um, uh, independentvoter.org. It's just not the real deal. Um, Chad Peace from California Independent Voter Project or VoterNetwork.org, uh, they come out and support a top two, but see, you know, Chad Peace's dad is, um, you know, Steve Peace. And we do the history on him and his ties of working with Charles Munger, you know, it's just, it's misleading information. So I don't know. I mean, you can do your research, but again, the Goldwater Institute, um, People ask, well, why did the, the, the chair of the Democratic and Republican Party come out against it with the chair of the Green Party and Libertarian and, and various states working with Free and Equal or other, all groups for that matter? And the reason was is because I learned that even the party leaders themselves would lose control of their own party. I mean, it's really kind of can be puzzling, but we think that we're living in a one-party system, but essentially it, I never thought it could get worse, but under yeah. top two, it can get just that much more worse. It's like, oh... That's the bad direction. We need to squash top two, and we need to implement real reform, like proportional representation. Yeah, let me let, let's kind of we've got just a couple of more um, minutes, maybe about five. Maybe talk about you know what, there are a lot of good ideas, like um, you know what we talked about with campaign finance reform. Um, you know, uh, changing the primary process, changing the uh, apportionment slash gerrymandering process. You know, the, the, the way that our constitution is set up to be, um, um, you know, our, our, our system is, is the way it is. We don't have proportional representation as in the, like a British parliament or something like that. The problem, there, there are lots of great ideas. The problem is, you know, how do we, um, allocate our resources to stuff that we can actually, possibly change you know what i'm saying i mean some things it se just seems like it's it's a great idea but but um how would how would we even go about doing something that radical while the two parties control things i guess is, is my question well first you replace them in 14 again with that grassroots movement so um come 2018 it shifts towards independence individuals really and uh, you don't have to really worry about fighting the two-party system anymore. But as far as initiatives, proportional representation, Aaron, I'm well on my way to sitting down with experts on the topic. Um, there is apparently, I don't feel there's a maybe even a perfect form of proportional representation yet. But, you know, I got a little bit of initiative experience. You know, I'm getting over a million signatures to get canceled about great contacts. And right. I'd much rather put myself out of business on the petitioning side when it comes to gathering signatures for candidates because I don't like taking their money. You know, it's not right, you know. Um, I want to get rid of those bad access barriers and use those resources to, towards real initiatives like proportional representation. So 
Um, after this, the June 22nd um, United We Stand Festival, I'll be um, speaking in greater detail with leaders on the topic, such as uh, Rob Ritchie with FairVote.org. Oh, what an expert on proportional representation. So there's some great forms out there for individual candidates. Of course, Richard Ringer's uh, teaching me, uh, well, I don't really agree with popular vote, but it's, there apparently is something called a pure popular vote. So it does, it's not tied with an organization. You know, it doesn't need to be. Um, so these kind of things I'll be learning about, and again, through our national database, uh, we'll be linking to amazing organizations like these and, and learning from them and building from them and providing educational tools to not only educate and inspire people to run for office, but just your everyday person, too. Same difference. Um, who, um, of people who are not living, let's, let's say that, of people who are not living, who's your hero in American politics? Somebody once asked me, uh, if you could have somebody, uh, <laughs> moderate your presidential debate, who would it be? I like to go with George Carlin. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, you know, I could go down the whole political history, but, you know, Carlin had a way of, like, putting history out there. Of course, he's not greatest political figure of all time, but he had a way of, like, having humor, you know, and pitching things and educating people. Right. And I love that about him. Like, he's just fun and innocent and real and did his own thing. And so I don't know if that half-heartedly answers your question, but no, that's, um, that's just kind of... <laughs> that's, that's, kind of a, that's a perfectly good answer. I mean, I think that his... Um, that, you know, irreverence and willingness to question things, you know, that that's something that you don't see much in the media, you don't see much in society anymore. And, um, you know, when you do come up with a different viewpoint or even ask a, a rude question, you know, everybody looks at you, right? They don't, they're not expecting an answer from the powerful person. It's, it's how dare you ask that. So I think he's, he's a great example of the opposite of that, of being daring and, um, uh, uh, and willing to bring up things that nobody else wants to bring up. But on a serious note, I mean, Dr. Ron Paul, come on. I mean, what a great guy. You know, if you ever want to bring about a revolutionary change, he says, there are two things we need to be involved. You would need the youth, and you would need music. So uh, here we go, United We Stand Festival. Dr. Ron Paul, I mean, for you, I spoke with Gary Johnson, met with him at his conference the last couple of weeks. He's so supportive, free and equal. I mean, Joel Stein, Green Party, Ralph Nader. Jesse Ventura, excuse me, Jesse Ventura is going to be out there uh, speaking. I mean, what a cool um, combination. And so um, those are some other great people. You know, Ralph Nader, yes, I don't agree with all of his ideas, but I agree we need more voices, more choices. And one thing he's got is utmost integrity. Yeah. I've seen. And Jesse Ventura, another one, he got into the debates. I mean, it just, he got into the debates, and he won. Yep. Um, he's the, the governor of Minnesota. I mean, he can do it. Anyone can do it. Yeah. Really. Yeah. Yeah, I read Bill Hillsman's book about, that uh, covers a lot about Jesse's campaign, and Bill's a great guy, too. Um, and, and I agree about Ralph Nader. I, I interviewed uh, Ralph Nader and uh, Dennis Kucinich for uh, this movie, Of By Four, that... Um, I, I uh, helped write and, and research and interview for. And, you know, I, again, I, I come from kind of the right uh, to my libertarianist, libertarian beliefs. And, you know, I always thought, you know, Ralph Nader, you know, and, but the more I looked into him and once I met him and met Dennis Kucinich, again, I disagree with probably 70% of what uh, they would uh, um, favor as far as legislation goes, but they're, their character and their uh, spirit about wanting to change things and 
their agreement on those basic 30% of, you know, civil liberties, of transparency in government, of people um, trying to hold their government accountable is just, um, I was really inspired by meeting both of those guys, even though, like I say, you know, I, 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 I talked to my colleagues, I said, it would be great if, um, you know, Ron Paul and Dennis Kucinich were joint speakers of the House, right? I mean, you could even you could at least get have some honest conversation and get some things done with with guys like that at the table. So uh, I, I really like your um, your approach there. One one last question, then I'll kind of let you um, give uh, you know info out uh, to people to get a hold of you and uh, to get um, involved with what you're doing. If you had the power to wave your magic wand and amend the Constitution, one amendment dealing, you know, with one topic, you know, not an amendment with, you know, seven topics, but if you could amend the Constitution on one point, uh, what would you do? That's a, a question I can't really answer. I I'll honestly don't have an answer for it. Um, it's just too much? or <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's, uh, it's just a little, I just, I get so many arguments back and forth of like not amending the Constitution, so many things being able to be amended, and I'm just not there yet. I, I think that uh, we need to amend our government. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't mean to, I just don't know, how, I'll know how to answer the question someday. Okay. I'm just not there yet on it. I'm still 31 and learning so much. I mean, I have a background in graphic design. <laughs> I didn't do right. anything, of course, being around my dad, so I just, you know, I read the Constitution quite often, and so I, I get a lot of arguments back on the one. I think our role more so at Free and Equal is to bring together the panels on the topic, the, oh, okay. the experts, to, to, to discuss, you know, the Constitution and uh, kind of um, decipher that amongst themselves. And I, I look forward to being at that level with them someday, hopefully. Sure. Um, give so, uh, well, um, a... I'm say... not answering something because it's the first time I've... I've haven't. <laughs> well, that, it's okay. I'd rather you not answer it than, than give me a, a BS answer, which some people do. When, when I used to be a reporter, I got those all the time. So honesty yeah. is always better. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll definitely look into it more. And uh, I need to talk to Richard Winger. He's my mentor and, and, and many others. So Yeah, he's done a lot um, of great work. I, I should have uh, try and get him on. Um, oh, I'll help make that happen. Okay, you. yeah. So let's um, – I'll give you a chance to uh, uh, give your all your info out, and then uh, we'll say goodbye, and then then hold the line, and uh, we'll uh, exchange a little bit of info. Um, so go ahead and tell everybody, uh, you know, they got the festival coming up. You've got Free and Equal. How's the best way to find out more about you and Free and Equal, and, and about the, the the festival? Well, sure. Uh, the festival again is June twenty second at the United We Stand. <clears throat> Yeah, I'm sorry, in Little Rock at the Horizon Arena. It's the United We Stand Festival on June 22nd. Um, so that's going to be really great. And you can RSVP. We'll actually start selling tickets next week. And we have a great team on board. The whole team, I think, from like the Ron Paul Blackout Money Bomb just right. hopped on board. And so it's just really cool. I mean, to have so many like-minded people. And you can find information at freeandequal.org, freeandequal.org. And uh, you can reserve tickets there. Just get to know us. I mean... We're the real deal. Everybody's looking for the solution-based movement, and here it is, truly grassroots. And I feel honored to be on your show tonight. And this is, you know, why Free and Equal is where it is today. And I will always do shows like this. You, you always, you know, work with people who've helped us to get where we are, and you never forget each other, and you're there for each other. So I thank you for your 
time tonight. <laughs> Great. Thanks, Christina. Christina Tobin, free and equal. This has been Declare, the official podcast of the Libertarian Party of Ohio. This program is paid for by the Libertarian Party of Ohio, not authorized or endorsed by any candidate or candidate's committee. 2586 Tiller Lane, Suite 2K, Columbus, Ohio, 43231-2265. Call toll-free 888-371-2965. And once again, reach your host Aaron at news at lpo.org.